became very close friends. And the older man began to take the younger man under his wing, train him, be with him, and put him in charge of many different projects of his government. This man went on many missions and every time came back with great success. Never once did he fail this older leader of his. This pleased the older man. He had made a wise choice in putting this man in high office. And as the press usually works, and as musicians and poets usually go, someone decided to pen a song about this older man and this younger man. The song gave them both great honor, but it gave the younger man greater honor. And rightly so. When this man heard the song for the first time, it enraged him and filled him with jealousy. An uncontrollable jealousy. They only attribute this much greatness to me, but they attribute this much greater greatness to this man. And jealousy filled his heart. And it was from that point on that this young man who had saved this man from utter ruin, this older man was bent on ruining this young man. And at first his jealousy took a more mild form. He wanted to slander this young man. So he slandered him to government officials. He slandered him to his neighbors. That didn't quite do the job. So he thought to himself, I have a daughter. I'll use my daughter to ruin his reputation. That's how far this man's jealousy had gone. And when this young man refused his daughter or to do what this man had offered him to do with his daughter, this man was even more fearful and jealous until finally one day, in the privacy of their cabinet room, he tried to take this young man's life. And this young man escaped but by the skin of his teeth. And for the next eight years of this man's life, both young and old, his life was in constant turmoil because of his jealousy. Constant turmoil. His kingdom began to fall apart. His life began to fall apart. His family fell apart. And time after time after time, he tried to kill and have this man assassinated. He hired men to kill this man, but to no avail. And there were lapses of rationality during those eight years where this man would realize, what am I doing? This man saved my reputation. He saved my life. He saved my career. And for a moment, he would return to his sanity. And then those cords of that powerful emotion, jealousy, would grab him again and pull him down until finally all he thought about, slept about, ate about, drank about was the ruin of this young man. Finally, eight years later, this man committed suicide. And on the same day, his most precious sons were all killed. 
This man's name was Saul. And this young man was David. Saul is probably the most preeminent example in the Bible of jealousy. And what jealousy can do to the individual. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes that man's achievements and all man's successes are derived from a sense of envy and jealousy of his neighbor. We tend to think in this country that competition is good. Competition can be fun, but often it can be uncontrollable. And basically its basic root can be jealousy. Wanting what someone else has. Wanting the success that someone else has. I'm sure each of us at some point in our life have experienced some type of jealousy. There are many reasons for our jealousy. We crave attention. We long for the possessions that someone else has. For the relationship that someone else has. There used to be a very popular song on the radio called Jesse's Girl. I wish that I had Jesse's girl. The whole song was a man's fantasy of having his friend's girlfriend. Probably one of the most common, if we were to be honest with ourselves and with our own heart, is oftentimes the jealousy of what another man has in a woman. Or what another woman has in possessions, or what another man has in possessions or in wealth. Or we're jealous because we think that someone got something that we deserve. And we didn't get it. And now we begin to see that emotion begin to rise and well up inside of us. And you know what we find? We find that it makes it very difficult to carry on a relationship. You try to hide it. And for a little while, you can hide it. But you find there's a little stifled Resistance, so to speak, in your relationship with others. You find that your stomach hurts a lot more. Biblically, jealousy is the most powerful and destructive of emotions. Anger is cruel. Wrath is overwhelming. But no one can tangle with jealousy and come out alive. No one. Jealousy left uncontrolled absolutely will rot your life and end your life prematurely. It will ruin your life. And we see a society today that runs rampant with jealousy. And you know how it is. I mean, it's an emotion. It comes up and you don't know what to do. You don't know, what, how do I cap this thing? You know, it's like a big gusher, a big oil. Well, how do I put a cap in it? How do I control it? Before it gets the best of me, before it ruins everything I have. I'd like to give you three things today that will give you the power and the ability to overcome your jealousy. And I call this breaking the cycle of jealousy. Jealousy is a cycle. You know, there's an ebb and flow of life. For most of us, probably most of us in the room today, our jealousy ebbs and flows. Alright? Maybe, maybe a friend is getting married. And we've been wanting to get married for a long time. And they're getting married ahead of us. And there's that ebb, that flow, that rise of emotion. We have to deal with it. 
I've known some that never deal with it. I've known some that have allowed that jealousy to ruin and rot away their very life. Proverbs 14 says that a body of peace gives life, but jealousy rots the bones. It just rots you from the inside out. Or someone got a job. I remember a particular time in my life, a particularly more impoverished time in my life, a time of economic stress in my life. And there was a young man who was a good friend of mine who I had befriended and we had done a lot together. And uh, I was older, had a family. He was just this young guy, you know, carefree. And he landed this fantastic job at this golf course for $20,000 a year, working nine months, well, actually it was about a six-month job out of the year. He was the groundskeeper. And he would drive around a little tractor and mow the lawn and water the lawn and spray the lawn. And I thought to myself, genuinely, in all honesty, God, that really chaps my hide. Have you seen that on the commercial? Picante paste, picante sauce. That really burns me up, God. You know, man, I've been serving you. I got a family. And I was a lawn care professional. And I'm making $4.50 an hour. And I'm trying and trying to get a job. And this young buck goes out, lands this five month out of a year job for 20000 bucks, And I could do everything he's doing. And I'll tell you, boy, I'll tell you, I really wrestled with that. I really struggled with that. And I had to work overtime to keep it from ruining my relationship with this man, who was really a very good friend. I want to share with you three things today that in that instance really helped me in dealing with that and other jealousies that I've had in the last 30 years of my life. The first one, the very first one, is to pray for the success of others. Do you remember in our last series we talked about happiness comes to those who bring happiness to others. Oftentimes in my counseling that I do with young and old, there's a situation where someone will be very frank and honest with me and say, Mark, I'm really struggling with jealousy with a roommate, or with a friend. And I don't know what to do. It just, it just, I'm really, I just, it just overcomes me. And I say, well, I'll give you the first thing to do. Is, is be thankful for them, be happy for them, and begin to pray that God would honor them more than you. You begin to pray that God would bless their life, that God would work in their life. They kind of look at you, you know, and kind of, you know, are you sick or something? There's something wrong with you. You know, how in the world am I going to do that? I just said, I didn't ask you to feel it. I said, I don't care how you feel. I said, you just do it. You just do it. You just go home. You pray for them. If it's for they're getting married, or they tell you they like somebody that you like, you know that, don't you? That happens, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I said, you pray that God will put them together and not you and them together. And you'll find that jealousy begins to subside. That's one 
First, aggressively, aggressively attack jealousy. Secondly, be thankful for what you've got and for who God made you to be. I think that probably another one of the great jealousies of our time that we are familiar with is the jealousy of another's gifts, the jealousy of another's personality, the jealousy of another's intellect or ability or looks. And all that, we we have a hard time with that, don't we? We have a hard time with that. The reason you have a hard time with it is because your eyes are more on them than they are on you. And your eye is more on what they've got and not what you've got and what God made you. Do you see every one of you in this room are very, very unique. God made you with the color eyes that you have. Today you don't have to worry about being jealous with someone's blue eyes. You just go spend $200 and you can have blue eyes. You don't have to worry about being jealous of someone's green eyes. You can go out and spend $200 and have someone's green eyes. And you can have blue eyes on Monday, green eyes on Tuesday, brown eyes on Wednesday, and purple, if you dare, on Thursday. Do you see? We've come up with cosmetic ways to deal with jealousy. But I'll tell you a little secret. You know it isn't real. (laughs) You know inside it isn't real. and You'll never be able to deal with your jealousy that way. God made each one of you unique. He fashioned each one of you with different abilities. Why, if I was to think about Mike's guitar ability compared to mine, and let it eat away at me, I'd go insane. Do you know? You know, you ever been, had an ability, and someone comes along who's a novice? I mean, they've only been at it a year, and you've been doing it eight solid years. And they get up there and they, they, they play their instrument. And it's like the kid's a child genius, you know, a prodigy. And you just kind of throw up your hands and think, you know, woe is me. What's wrong with me? Man, I wish I could do that. And your wishing, and that's what you need to be careful about wishing, can soon turn green with envy. And can soon turn to jealousy. God made you unique. And God has got very special purposes for the way He made you. You know, I used to think, I really used to think this, I, I really believe this, that I wasn't, that doesn't mean I think it's different now either, by the way, before I say this, but I used to think I was rather plain and rather ugly, never handsome, maybe cute only to my mother. And um, and I was very insecure when I was in high school. But high school was the worst time in my life. Uh, number one, I, I had acne. And you know how that is. If you never had it, uh, I'm really jealous. <laughs> that, that really gets to me. You don't even know what it's like. You don't even know the kind of pressure's like. And, uh, and I had girl problems. And one girl problem. I liked her. She didn't like me. See? Is a problem, and um, and I was very, extremely insecure, and um, I never thought that anyone attractive would ever marry me, and uh, I think personally that God just kind of miraculously blinded my wife's eyes when she met me. If I showed you some of the pictures, like I have to some of you, you would have to believe that was true. 
Uh, anyway, fortunately with age, I think it's kind of like wine, you know. You get a little better, at least to my wife, so that's all that counts to me, you know. But I began to find, when I met my wife, before she was my wife, that there were special things about me she liked. It didn't matter to her. There were some unique things she liked about me. She didn't ever want changed. Some of you, I know, find that hard to believe. I mean for you, not for me. That wasn't funny. That, what are you left? No, that is hard to believe. I realize that's hard to believe. Um, maybe it was my sensitive, compassionate, kind, understanding you know, man that I was. If you believe that, talk to me afterwards. You know, nine years, I've been through 12 years of seasoning now, and, and it's kind of like, you know, it kind of tenderizes the meat. But uh, my wife's been a real tenderizer in my life. But, you know, I, I sometimes wonder, what does she see in me? And I begin to realize, well, it doesn't matter. If she sees it, that's great. I'll just leave well enough alone. You know? I mean, God made me that way. And, you know, finally I, I really came to the conclusion that, you know, you either love me or leave me. Not with her, I just meant with everybody in general. God made me this way. And, sir, God, is there certain things about all of us that can change. You know, we can grow in character. We can grow in being more patient and more understanding and, and a better individual. But there's certain things we can't. My wife sometimes loves it when I'm tired. You know, I am, if any of you know me, I'm just... I am slowing down a little bit. Um, I just turned 32 and something happened then. I, I just, and I think God just let one cell go out of my motor. But, but I am just, I am always doing something. And, and I, you know, could run circles around my wife, you know, and just do this, do this, do this, go, 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 go. She loves it when I'm shot, you know, and I'm just beat. I'm just so mellow, you know, and just, just so melancholy. And I tell her that's what I am all the time. But she didn't believe me. You know, I'm a melancholic if there ever was one. You know, just laid back and calm and just, you know, right, Mike? You know, shaking his head. Well, she likes me the way I am. And there are times, you know, like I said, she wishes I'd get tired. But I'm thankful I have a wife who takes me the way I am. I'm thankful I have friends who take me the way I am. Do you know what's most important is that you take you the way God made you. And stop arguing about it. Stop putting yourself up next to someone who with that ability, you just don't compare. Do you know one of the hardest things for me to do is to sing? And do you know why it's hard for me? Because you listen to the radio all week. And you can compare me to Kenny Rogers, to Lee Greenwood, to Stevie Winwood, to Michael W. Smith, to everybody that's out there. You see, there's always comparing going on. Boy, so, you know, it's really taken God to have to work in my life to give me the courage to go, well, I don't care. You just use me with what I've got. Here's what I've got. And if you can arrive at that conclusion, and when you arrive at that conclusion in your life, it will really help you in dealing with your jealousy. Don't compare. Don't compare. You've each got unique things, and God's made you that way. You are very, very special. And in the marriage realm, God will bring someone into your life who is going to very much appreciate your uniqueness and your specialness. Don't ever compare size, shape, or form, ability, skills, or talents. Don't do it. The third and the last, I believe, is the foundation of all the other two. 
probably the greatest difficulty and the root of our jealousy is we're not convinced that God is a good God. God's partial, just like my dad. Dad liked him better than he liked me. And he always got the car and I didn't. Or for those of you that had a sister and you were one of five boys or one of four or the only boy, she got everything. You know, the clothes, the money. She got to go out and date and you never did. There was partiality. And so you look at others who are maybe more endowed than you are with certain things, certain abilities, certain talents, certain look. And your conclusion? God shortchanged me. God shortchanged me. And it runs rampant in our minds. I know. I'm human. And it just it's a vicious, vicious cycle. You must understand... That God is good. A verse, a verse in Ephesians 4 that says, And God has richly showered down upon us the richness of His grace for how well He knows us and understands what is best for us at all times. Did you know that God knows all the time what's best for you and He understands you? Did you know that you weren't supposed to be made a different way? Do you know God made me five foot eight and a half, 150 pounds, not very well defined? I can't help it. You know? What can I say? I mean, I can stand and lift weights for eight hours a day, like some people do. You know, you want to, you ever get jealous of a person who does that? You ever stop for a minute to think that if you made up two million dollars a year, that you too could stand in front of your mirrors for eight hours a day and look like Sylvester Stallone? Think about that. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You understand? People aren't born that way, generally speaking. They got the time. They can do it. But that doesn't mean anything. That's not meant to mean you're less of a person. That doesn't mean God didn't have unique plans for your life. God made you just the way you are. And He did it, and it was good. When God made you, He the same way He did with Adam. He saw, and it was good. Psalm 119, verse 68 says, Lord, you are good, and what you do is good. David says in Psalm 27, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, the last two verses of Psalm 27, I would have despaired unless I believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This is the bottom line to overcoming jealousy. You must be convinced that God has been good to you. And that God is going to do good to you. Do you know what that means? That means I can jump for joy at someone else's success because mine is just around the corner. I don't have to compare. You don't have to wonder. I wonder if something good is going to happen to me. God is the one who makes good things happen. And He doesn't do them because you've been so good. You see? God doesn't like Santa Claus. You better watch out. You better not pout. You better not cry. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. We put God in there, don't we? God is coming to town. He sees me when I'm sleeping. He knows when I'm awake. He knows if I've been bad or good. So I'll be good for goodness sake. See? And that's you got a Santa Claus image of God. 
God is good because it's His very nature to be good. You can't change that. I mean, listen, if it wasn't, let me let you in on a little secret. The world wouldn't be here anymore. Do you understand? The world wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. It would be destroyville. It would be over right now. It's not. Because God is merciful, God is good, and God cares about you. And if you understand that, your friend can come up and tell you about his promotion at work, and you can immediately go, God was good to him. There's proof again that God's going to be good to me. Because God isn't partial. And you can shake his hand, put your arm around him, and say, I am so happy for you, George. That is wonderful. Your friend, who's been waiting to have a baby, can say to you, Sally, Sally, it happened. We're going to have a baby. And you've been waiting ten years to have a baby. And you can say to her, I am so happy for you. That is so thrilling. Isn't God good? Why? Because you know that God has been good to you and God will continue to be good to you. And if you do not believe that, you will never overcome jealousy at any time in your life. That's the foundation for praying for your friend, success, and for being thankful for who you are, for what you have, and for who God made you to be. God will do you good. It is the nature of God. If you don't believe it, all that's left to you is a life of despair and jealousy. Let's pray and thank God for our time. Lord, we thank you this